Well done. Well done. Now, last week we talked about how the gospel changes everything for the life of believer. No longer do we have to live or walk as unwise people, but by being filled with the Holy Spirit, which was the hinge of last week's message. Remember, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, none of that stuff is possible. But because of that, we now have a transformed relationship uh, and a new fellowship with God and also fellow believers. So today we're going to talk about three things, being in battle, but the enemy is not who we think it is. And the Lord has given us armor for battle, but we must choose to actually use it. And then we fight the battles in prayer and on our knees in submission to the Lord. Okay. We are. We are. So let's, let me read to you Ephesians. Did you know that? Yes, I did. I don't think. I thought it above his head and put it in mind. I don't think he did. All right, let me read to you Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. <coughs> Ephesians 6. Oh, we are all out of Bible. Brody, go get one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine Bibles. Parks, help him. Oh, I was going to get the pink one. Parks can have the pink one. Get eight Bibles. Ephesians 6. Guys, we are almost... We got one more one more week in Ephesians and it's over. We will have gone through the whole How book. How many weeks? Twelve weeks. But it hasn't been twelve consecutive weeks. We started it in we started it in April. We stopped it the week before Bible school in May. Ephesians, page six six five. 665 in the Red Biblo. Page 665, 665, 665. Thank you, Brody. 665. Right which is page right here 665 it's actually like it <laughs> all right i'm going to read verses 10 through 20 please listen christian warfare finally be strengthened by the lord and by his vast strength put on the full armor of god so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heaven. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. Stand, therefore, with truth like a, the, a belt around your waist. Righteousness like armor on your chest and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this, I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as it should. 
So pretty awesome passage, to be honest. So as usual, we want to talk about what it means. So look in verses 11 and 13 and, and find the reason that Paul is gives for taking up and putting on this armor of God. Verses 11 and 13. He gives two reasons. To stand against the schemes of the devil is one. And the fiery darts. To take your stand in the evil day. To withstand the evil day. So it doesn't say you will be able to avoid it, but to withstand it. And then the final one, I'm sorry, there's three, not two, is to what? Stand. Stand firm. Stand firm. So we understand that the schemes of the devil are going to come against us, right? It's not a matter of if, but but more so a matter of when. And God is not saying, well, actually, if you do this, this, and this, the devil will leave you alone. And in in fact, verse 12 tells us who our battle is actually against. Someone read 12 for me again. David, give it a go. Verse 12. Uh, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. So is our battle a physical one or a spiritual one? Spiritual. So it's very spiritual. And so do you think that helps us in this day and age when everyone seems to be fighting against one another for us to remember that, well, that's not actually our most important battle? It is important for us to stand up for what's true in, in our country and in our culture, but we need to remember that there are cosmic powers of present darkness that the devil is raging against us who are Christians, and so it is very difficult. But it, we also have an earthly battle against flesh and blood against those who oppose us. Now, someone, I want one, two, three, four, five. And Jake, you can help them, or y'all can all. I want you guys to list in order the five pieces of armor that Paul describes in verses 14 through 17. Yes. Okay. So Brody hit the first one. Belt of truth. Amen. Second one. Chest. Breastplate of righteousness. Two. Third. Feet. Shoes for the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Four. The shield of faith. Shield of faith. And five from Jake and Bubba. The helmet of salvation. So, so ladies, do you think that Paul is telling us to equip ourselves with things that will cover our whole body from evil? Right, he doesn't listen. You know, everything's covered. Now, I don't think that's the point because he's not talking about our physical body, so to speak. But he's telling us to cover your whole existence with truth, with righteousness, uh, from the readiness given by the gospel of peace, to have a shield of faith, and to have a helmet of salvation. And so he's not, these aren't physical pieces of armor that you can go to the gun store and pick up, right? Oh, I need a belt of truth. 
I don't know what that is, is what they would say. But for this spiritual battle, Paul is saying God gives us everything that we need to withstand this battle. And here's what it is. And here, and he uses some word pictures and some comparisons and some beautiful analogies to help us understand what we need. So in verse 18, Parks, who does Paul say we should be praying for? The Spirit on all occasions and the saints. Yeah, all the saints. So we're supposed to be praying for all the saints at all times. Today, earlier, I was praying. I was actually laying face down on the ground, praying, asking God pretty seriously about something pretty serious in my life. And I kind of chuckled because I thought, hmm, although this is serious to me, there are people, there, you know, one of the most, the world's, most rapidly growing church is a church led by women in Iran because they're completely opposed to the point of death. So they meet in secret. And, and uh, the men of that, I mean, I mean, you can just say 99.9% Islamic culture oppose them to death. Now, not only does that religion oppose women to a great extent, period, Especially, they can, they can even show their face, can't they? Can't show their face. So, like, and we're gonna we're gonna get back to our world religions once we get into the bigger room, and I have a TV to work with. But um, you know, extremely uh, or extreme Islamic people. I mean, yeah, you have to wear a hijab. You, your face has to be covered. You can't show your feet, your ankles, and so women are not allowed to go to school. And so the fact that they're like they have chosen to die, right? Because if they're ever found out. They'll be killed for their faith. And so when I pray sometimes, I try to remember all the saints across all the world, all the world, all of the world that are seeking the Lord, that are brave and courageous. And even though our problems, while they might seem less severe than that, God also cares about them. And so we pray for the saints. And Paul, at the end, now remember, this is a letter, right? And so this is the, you know, the beginning of a letter and the end of a letter are, are kind of easy to point out as a letter. I know that sounds like a silly sentence, but the beginning's like grace and peace to you. You know, in, in modern language, it's like, what up? It's Paul. How are you doing? May the Lord bless you. And then in the end, he starts saying some conclusion type statements. And in verse 19, he makes a statement to me that sounds like kind of he's wrapping up what he's talking about. What does it say? Elizabeth, verse 19. Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Yeah, so he's like, actually, uh, you know, I'm under house arrest. Uh, I'm being persecuted. Please pray for me that I'll continue to be bold uh, because I still have a job to do. And so... Now that we know what this verse, this passage is about, the armor of God, preparing for battle, praying for our fellow uh, men and women uh, in, in Christ, what should we, we do about this? So I want you to read verse 12 silently to yourself really quickly at this moment and explain to me what Paul is saying in verse 12. Just give me one, two word summaries, three word summaries. What do you think verse 12 means? So that, uh, so it's not, our fight is not just, uh, not really against like the evil people, but like also, also against like spiritual beings. So like the devil, I mean, the devil and his fallen angels and how they can trick us. And then not that just 
they can trick us, but they can use other people to get to us to trick us. And so we have to be careful, not just the devil and his and peers, but also people that they can use to get to us. That answer is out of this world. Thank you. Get it? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Good answer. Anyone else? Any different perspective, maybe? Right. It's really a spiritual right. Even if they sin against you or other peoples, there's a greater force at hand. Yeah. Right. And and it's not just the fact that they're bad. Uh, the Bible tells us that we've all sinned, but we all have choices of what to do with that sin. Some repent and some do not. And 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 uh, Satan is obviously happy to use those that are rebellious against the Lord. All of Scripture teaches that. I mean, look at Judas. He was one of the closest people to ever walk on on earth with Christ, our Savior. Yet he allowed, rather than God to use him, he allowed the devil to use him. Now, it was God's will, ultimately, as we we believe God is sovereign and he's providential and that his will comes to pass by how he chooses. But, um, yeah, I think you've understood this well. Now, when Paul tells us in verse 10 to be strong in the Lord... How do you think that should inform us, like how we fight a battle that's spiritual? We talked about this last week. If we want to be obedient, and we've talked about this a lot, and it's part of the answer that I always get from David, it's part of our identity as Christians. We have a strength source that is what? Powerful. Powerful, yes. Where does it come from? God. Outside of ourselves. The Holy Spirit, it's outside of ourselves. So I think what Paul is saying in verse 10 is that when we think about fighting spiritual battles or even physical battles that have spiritual undertones, and I'm not talking about like when Maddox squares up against someone from Gulfport. Um, Not that he would because he's a good kid. But I'm not talking that he's thinking like that kind of battle. But if if someone, let's say Maddox goes to school, um, and this could be a really, a really, honest battle for you guys. Someone um, is in class with Maddox and like falsely accuses him of cheating. Like Maddox didn't cheat, but for whatever reason, the teacher believes him. The teacher takes him to the next level. They believe him. Maddox gets suspended. Now, I don't know. I don't know what would really happen. Or he gets a zero on a major test. Like it, it affects him, right? It, it's an, it's a legitimate battle because he's like, I, I, I don't know how else I can prove that I haven't done what I've done. And so Paul is saying that Maddox doesn't need to bow up and try to fight that battle with his own strength. He's saying, actually, you need to think of, you need to ask the Holy Spirit from the Lord to strengthen you. Stand firm in your relationship with God, and he will give us the strength to the battle. And I think Paul is very, very honest to say here, you're not going to win every battle. But ultimately, Satan loses in the end for Christians, right? You may not win every earthly spiritual battle, um, but we, as Christ, as Christ's soldiers, we do have the strength to persevere through the ups and downs. So if I was Maddox and I, I couldn't do anything else, I told my parents, say my parents believe me, but the school is against me, I'm going to stand firm 
knowing that I have faith and trust in God and, and maybe or maybe not this situation will work itself out. But he's given me the strength through his spirit to, to see to see it through. Um, you know, an example would be when 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 April and I experienced a miscarriage. How do we make it through that? Do we just bow up and say, I got this? I'm sure okay. str- you pray and you say, God, please help us. And you know what? He does. He gives you his Holy Spirit. You have a belt of truth. You remind yourself what the word says. You have a shield of faith to protect you. Because if you don't think Satan will attack you during that time when you're super vulnerable, you're silly. You're being silly because he will. He'll try to say that, you know, your bodies are bad or they don't work right. Or, you know, maybe God doesn't want you to have a child. And these are all things that are not true, and we know them, but when we're in a spiritual battle, we have to remember what the Word says rather than trying to come up with reasons of our own why we're going to make it. Does that make sense? We have to ask the Holy Spirit to be our help. Now, Paul uses the image um, of standing three times in this passage. So when you guys read short stories or you study literature at school and you see one word being used multiple times, what does that tell you? Dead. It's important. Like, obviously, the author... What were you going to say, David? No, never mind. <laughs> she took it. You go, girl. No, just... <laughs> <laughs> but but it's, it's obvious that the author is trying to say, hey, pay attention to this word. Now, what is it... What is significant about standing when it comes to warfare? Think about... Now, in our battle battles nowadays, we have advanced technology, weaponry, things like that. I'm saying, in your mind, go back to ancient battles, ancient warfare, Thermopylae. Think of the Spartans against the against the uh, uh, Romans. No, no, the uh, Egypt. Uh, whoever Xerxes, I can't remember Xerxes Greece. was. No, some of the Spartans were Greek. Yeah. Um, no. No. Oh my. Anyways, Xerxes is the king. Think about that. Think of that battle. How did those people march to battle? Spartans. Huh? <laughs> Sorry. Confident. With confidence. Really what'd you say? Did you say something? I was about to say. Something. What'd you say? They were thinking, uh, I have to do this for my country or whatever. Yeah. So. But how were, how were they physically when they got up to where, again, these old battles, they would stand in valleys and, and you know, how would they face each other, ladies? Straight, straight on. Were they kneeling? No. no. They were standing straight up, right? Looking at each other all the way up, all, all the way up into the Civil War. We did this, right? And so standing, was that a sign of, of, of a surrender? No. No. Now, when a warrior is needing to rest, they may sit, kneel, or lay down. But for them to be standing was saying, I'm going to fight this battle. I'm in this battle. Right? Back in those... Now, the now reason I had to get you to forget about nowadays is because things are so advanced, we don't face each other on the battlefield like that anymore. Sometimes in battle, people don't even see their enemies. Um, but back in the day, they would look each other in the eye and stand up and fight each other. And so why do you, what's the connection there with Paul in spiritual warfare and standing? Anybody else? Yeah. Well, I think it's because 
I'm sorry. If you don't mind, can you repeat that, please? Yeah. So take the, the anecdote we just used from history. How does that relate to what Paul is standing, saying about standing firm in spiritual battles? You should stand mm-hmm. firm with, the, with Christ knowing that he will help you. Absolutely. Yeah, so we don't, we don't need to lay down. We don't need to be weak. We don't need to roll over and quit. We don't need to say, like, I'm tired or um, because Christ will fight my battle. I need only to stand firm on his truth. And so, yes, stand firm. I think you answered that very well, Brody. Now, let's think about the, the answer that Maddox gave for the pieces of armor. There's something very significant about shoes in a warrior's um, or, a, or a soldier's get up. Now, it tells us that these shoes act like gospel, like the peace of the gospel for us. So what do you think about, is it important to protect your feet when you're in battle? Yes. Right? Now, if you, if, you've, if you fast forward into modern history, if you think about the Vietnam War, where they were fighting in, Vietnam. And the, I'm sorry, I, I didn't set that question up well. They're fighting in jungle. They're fighting in an area that's very humid, damp, water. How do you think they're feeding? I mean, they're out there. Scratches all over. I mean, their feet are rotten, really, because they're sock. I mean, there's no way for them to take care of their feet. And so they weren't able to protect their feet. Now, they kept fighting anyways. But some of them would go on to suffer like loss. You know, their feet would be infected, go gangrene, and they'd lose toes, they'd lose feet, all because they, their feet would not be taken care of. Their shoes would be soggy, holes through them. And so if your feet aren't protected, can you continue to advance in battle? No, right? If, if you go back to the Spartans and someone spears you through your sandal, you're not going to go much further. You're going to be like, well, there's a hole in my foot. I can't go much further. There's a snake in my boot. Toy Story. So the gospel of peace, which is our shoes in battle, allows us to continue to advance against attacks of the enemy. We can move forward confidently because the gospel not only provides current peace, but future hope. So like I said, we will face battles in this life, and sometimes we may experience defeat. But ultimately, our future hope rests in the fact that the enemy is already defeated. That Satan is already defeated. He doesn't know it yet. He thinks he's he's doing great. But when Christ returns for the second time, we know that that's it. There'll be no more. And so we can fight knowing against Satan that his power is very limited by the overwhelming power of God. So now that we know what it says, what should we do with it in our daily lives? Okay? This is a time to be honest. In what areas of your life do you find yourself more tempted to rely on your own strength and not the Lord's strength? For me, it's it's being productive at work rather than asking the Lord to help me. Just like I'll just do it. And a lot of times I end up experiencing laziness because I don't handle it very well. But for me, that's a obviously as a, a grown up. You're not all at that stage yet. But being productive and a good steward is important for the Lord. And so instead of asking the Lord, Lord, will you help me be productive for your glory today? I'm like, I'll just do it on my own. 
and I, you know, I don't do a good job. So what about you guys? School. 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 You 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 tend to think, well, I'll just do this myself. I don't need God's help. Sports. I'm I'm smart enough. I'm yeah, good sports. enough at sports. I'm good enough at, at other activities. I don't I don't need His help to play the flute. Uh, you know, I don't. Finding a or like a yeah, that's a really good one. So companionship and relationships rather than saying, God, uh, is it your will for me at this time to date or do you want me to wait? Um, and if it is your will for me to date at this period, uh, how should I do that? Rather than just saying I have to find a girlfriend or a boyfriend as quick as possible because people because of what it might help people like me better. Right. Um, maybe you don't. I, that's how I thought about it. I'm not saying you think about it that way. I thought about that. Now, a a chest plate would would be used in these older battles to protect people's hearts, right? Vital organs. Again, there's no there's no bullets that would go through armor. We have we have swords, we have spears, we have other types of uh, weaponry. So this these chest plates and breastplates are meant to protect people from experiencing damage to vital organs and then a helmet is meant to obviously protect your head and your brain and so in what ways you know your most vital organ in here is what your heart and then your brain so in what ways do you see your heart and your mind being vulnerable to satan's attacks every way possible every way possible Fitting in, pressure to fit in, that's a big one, right? Like you, you're never going to hear from me like I don't want you to fit in. I was a teenager too. <laughs> I'm an adult now and that still happens. Like no one wants to walk in and, and, and stick out, right? I mean, some people do, but deep down they don't, they don't want that. And so Satan, is getting, Satan attacks us there. Like no one likes you. No one likes the way you look. No one likes the way you dress. You're not cool. Those are real struggles. How do we deal with that? How might righteousness and salvation guard our heart and mind? I have an answer, but I want to hear if you might have an answer too. I think maybe we need to remember that Christ pursued is more valuable than our own. Yeah, absolutely. I think we can remember two things is that the way that Christ views us is infinitely valuable. But also we can take heart that knowing that people spat on Jesus, people slapped him, people mocked him. We should also think that we're all equal. It doesn't matter who looks different. That's right. We should treat people with dignity and respect if they look different than us. That's right. Now, if people, if people won't treat me with respect, maybe I can just treat them with respect. Maybe they've never been taught how. You know, a lot of people, I think about all your home lives and I, I hope they're all good. And I think about mine that was just fantastic, thanks to the Lord. But some people grow up in terrible homes and they never learn how to respect people because they're not respected. And so when the enemy attacks us, we need to teach the world and those around us what the Bible says about people. It says that you're infinitely valuable to the point that Jesus died for you. And that while it may be hard for us to fit in right now, uh, Christ can help us make it through this difficult time. May not get better, may not get worse, but he can help us. Now, Parks read that Paul asked us to pray for how many people? 
All the peoples, all the saints. Now, what keeps you from praying for others? Maybe you don't like the person? Time. Time? Yeah, if someone if someone hurts you or sins against you, that's when forgiveness becomes real. Because you're like, can I forgive this person? It's, it's hard. I admit that. Love the sinner, not the sin. Wise words there, young gate. <laughs> so don't try to see past how they're behaving and ask God to, to be with them. And for you to forgive them. Forgive them doesn't, forgiveness does not mean forget. Right? If someone treats you poorly, you don't just have to sit there and take it. Right? You can say, I'm sorry. We're not going to be friends anymore. But to forgive them, you're, you're, you're saying, I'm not going to be attached to this anymore. I forgive you because Christ has forgiven me. Now the rest of your side you have to deal, deal with. I can't be responsible for that. Sometimes it's a time but if we think about that, it's never a good excuse, is it? And I, I mean, I use that. I use that excuse all the time in my life. If you think about God who created the universe from speaking, and we're like, well, I don't really have time to talk to you right now. <laughs> Sounds kind of silly, doesn't it? But we do that. Everyone does that. No one, if anyone tells you they don't do that, you say, I forgive you now for lying just now. <laughs> because that's, I mean, we do that. We get busy. So what I want you to remember this week is that first, as Christians, we're, we are in a battle. We are definitely in a battle, battle, but our enemy is not always who we think it is. We do not fight a physical battle. We fight a, a spiritual one. Second, I want you to remember that by God's grace, he has given us everything and all the armor we need to succeed in this battle, but he doesn't make us wear it. Right? He doesn't make us pray. He doesn't make us read scripture. We have to choose to take this armor up and put it on. So first, we're in a battle, a spiritual one. Second, we have everything we need, but we have to take responsibility for using that. And then third, we're called to fight these battles in prayer, whether it's forgiveness, asking the Holy Spirit for help. Right? We don't have, we don't have swords that we go out and slash people with. We ask the Lord to fight our battles. The Old Testament tells us that God will fight us, fight our battles. All we have to do is be quiet. Pretty strong verse from the Old Testament. So remember the good news this year, this week, especially as we begin school, is that we daily battle evil in this world. But Christ has given us everything that we need to stand firm in the battle. And through his death and resurrection, Jesus has already claimed our final victory, which is what gives us hope. And he's supplied us with the Holy Spirit to survive, to have strength in our battles.